Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll pick up in chapter 11 and begin to look at chapter 12 tonight of Exodus. Father, we thank you for your son, for the grace that you've extended to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we not only are grateful, but we're thankful. We read this morning that one of the characteristics of an unbelieving worldview is that they're not thankful. And Lord, forgive us where we don't thank you for your goodness and your kindness toward uh, not only your children, but also to the world at large, your patience in spite of who we are. Father, we do pray that you would, uh, these that have been mentioned tonight, we lift them up to you. We've prayed for, uh, for many for quite a while, and we continue to pray for them and ask that you intervene according to your will. Uh, we think of this little child as Jared Street. We ask that uh, you would be with him, and as, as we understand it now, it will definitely take a miracle for this child to uh, continue to survive. So we do pray, Father, that uh, that's your will. And if not, we also pray for that you would comfort and provide solace for the family. Others, Lord, that we've been mentioning tonight, and we do lift them up to you. We think of Deborah's brother as he's headed to UVA. We thank you for the good report on Mike, and we do continue to pray for he and Sheila during this time. We thank you for bringing Gordon back to us. We thank you for answered prayer on behalf of Willie and so many others. I want to praise you this evening for continuing to answer prayer on behalf of uh, Robbie. I pray for Steve Dixon this evening and for uh, Steve McBride, Craig's uncle. We lift them up to you, and many others, Lord. We, we. Our, our minds are finite. Sometimes we are forgetful, but we thank you that you not only are the great physician, but you're omniscient, far more knowing of the intricacies of our body. So we do pray for them this evening. Bow and be with our youth as they study your word tonight and as we continue to look at the marvelous introduction of the Passover. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. <clears throat> it's been said that, and, and it, it is true, the, the uh, Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, is perhaps the greatest miracle that occurred in the Old Testament. It is, it is mentioned a number of times throughout the Old Testament, even mentioned into the New Testament. However, the Passover is an institution which we're going to begin to look at this evening. And the Passover is still celebrated today, 4,500 years or so since it was uh, instituted by uh, uh, Orthodox and uh, Hasidic Jews. Um, and not only is it celebrated by them, but uh, we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Paschal Lamb, we'll learn all these terms as we start to look at this, uh, who obviously was crucified uh, on the high Passover weekend. So what, what is instituted here in Exodus chapter 11 and 12 resonates throughout the remainder of the Bible. In fact, go back with me to Genesis chapter 3. 
often have we needed to go back to these first few chapters of the book of Genesis and, and recall what took place, how pivotal Genesis 3 is to our understanding of who we are and who God is. So the, um, we, we know the story, the, the sin that takes place, and then the, the Lord that appears to, uh, to Adam and Eve, and he begins a conversation, and then there's the, uh, um, the pronunciation, of course, that the, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus will come because of the prophecy that is made. Look at verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so this, this is the, um, what is taking place here, of course, is that uh, uh, it's the beginning of what's going to, God will institute with his covenant people in Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So all of this obviously has uh, many, many years ago now uh, was removed. But the thing you need to take note of is verse 21. Um, what, what occurs in the first part of Genesis 3 is that Adam and Eve know that they've sinned and they know that they're naked and they begin to obviously to take, uh, to take uh, leaves from trees and try to fashion some type of covering to hide them from the Lord uh, God. Verse 7, the eyes of both of them were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Well, the difference between verse 7 and verse 21 is that death had not occurred. Now, spiritual death had occurred, but the physical death uh, on the earth had not occurred until what preceded verse 21. And so the Lord himself, who is the giver of life, is also the taker of life, and he took the life of some animals. So blood was shed in order that Adam and Eve would have coverings uh, because they were ashamed, and rightfully so, uh, of their sin before the Lord God. Now, obviously, our coverings, <laughs> we don't hide anything from the Lord by putting clothes on. But the, the um, analogy is that through this, there needed to be some type of intermediate whether it be covering or intermediate garment that would, uh, that would represent what's going to take place now in Exodus chapter 12. So interestingly enough, the Lord killed an animal, probably a goat, maybe a sheep. We don't know what type uh, we, can, we can make conjecture, but that's all it is. When Jesus was crucified... <coughs> He was stripped of his garments, and a robe was placed on him, a purple robe. And then when he made it to Golgotha's hill, that robe was removed. One of the um, 
ignominious things, one of the horrible things about crucifixion is that those that were crucified, men and women, were crucified naked. So covering was, it was part of the, the, the overall humiliation that was instituted. So in chapter 12, we're going to read a great deal about covering. And it helps us to set the stage, and it's teaching the Hebrew people, and it's teaching you and I, the links to which the Lord went to to show to his people that blood and the innocent blood was necessary in order, in order that sins be covered. Now, they were covered in the Old Testament. They were never completely forgiven, obviously, until Jesus himself uh, was crucified. And we learned that from the book of Hebrews. So, Last Sunday, as we looked at chapter 11, uh, I reminded you that there are no chapter and verse divisions between chapter 10 and chapter 11. So the last verse of chapter uh, 10 is, so Moses said, or Pharaoh rather said, verse 28, get away from me, take heed to yourself, see my face no more, for in the day that you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again. Well, no chapter and verse divisions. They were just added, Okay. So actually, if you just continue reading, and the Lord said to Moses, so Moses is there before Pharaoh, and the Lord tells Moses, he said, I got one more play, and uh, it's go I'm going to announce this one. I didn't announce the last one, but I'm going to announce this one. Uh, and everything that takes place, uh, verse 2, he says, uh, the Egyptians are going to give you articles of silver and articles of gold. Moses found, the Hebrew people found favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moses, of course, was very great. And then in verse 4, Moses relays this to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. And against none of the chil children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out and all the people who follow you, and then I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. So this is essentially the last audience that Moses had with Pharaoh. Now, there's a brief confrontation after the, the Passover. Verse 9, But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of the land. And that now there's a significant change for the Hebrew people. We'll start to look at that in a minute. So we covered this uh, slide as we closed out last uh, Sunday evening. Uh, one of the things that uh, always bothers individuals is uh, the exclusivity of the Christian faith. And the next to last bullet on this slide, the Lord has put a difference between those who are his people and those who are not. 
There are many distinctions among men which one day will be blotted out, but permit me to remind you at the outset that this is an eternal distinction. That's from a message that Spurgeon preached about this uh, particular passage. So Moses, his final words uh, in the audience here is that he and the rest of the Egyptians would command the people of Israel to leave. But what takes place beginning at the end of chapter 12. Next slide, brother. Thank you. So the Lord reminds Moses, you know, Pharaoh is angry. He's sending you out, but he's not, hey, he's not going to heed you. And so this, uh, the promise of the 10th plague has a twofold application. Obviously, the first application is to the Egyptian people, and it's horrible. Not only the firstborn of, of children, uh, but uh, also of animals. And uh, at this point, there's not quite, there's not a lot left of Egypt. So that's the first distinction. The second distinction is identified for us in chapter 12. Now, I mentioned last Sunday morning, or last Sunday evening, rather, the Lord has a specific way he wants to be worshipped. He did not give Moses the law and then say, well, you guys can do whatever you want as long as you obey the law. No, he was very, very focused. And here we begin to see that God is in the details. And one of the reasons for this, and this is very detailed, in fact, the, from here to the to the remain, uh, throughout the remainder of the book of uh, Exodus, the Lord becomes very, very detailed. You're going to make the tabernacle using this type of thread. You're going to have these types of colors. You're going to have this perimeter. Judah is going to be here. Um, the Levites are, have no inheritance. Craig was teaching on that this morning. They are going to be here. The labor is going to be here. The Holy of Holies is going to be here. And when you uh, prepare to move it, no one will touch it. So very, very, very detailed in how, what he commands for worship. And he does that in order that when we look at Jesus, we see that the fulfillment of all of this, beginning with the Passover, through the law, through the Old Testament, all of this is fulfilled. So the handwriting of the ordinances, Paul said, that were against us. <laughs> That's what we're starting to see here. Christ removed. So as we read this, I want you to think, and of course we're just a few chapters into the book of Exodus, but as we read through this, as we get into the latter part of the book of Exodus, I want you to understand the demands made upon the Hebrew children. And the Lord does that in order that his people, and remember, most of these, in fact, the majority of these, not all of them, were slaves, with the exception of Moses. And so he is taking a people that had been slaves, and he is making them into one of the great civilizations, if not the greatest civilization that has ever walked on this earth. The Jewish nation and the Hebrews that proceed from that. 
So they needed some structure, and the Lord provided it for them, okay? So the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. We've seen this uh, throughout uh, these first few chapters. Four times we're told God hardens his heart, um, and obviously Pharaoh's at first hardened his heart against his people, and we see the references that are contained there. Next slide, if you would, brother. So Pharaoh's heart is not yet persuaded. And you're talking about stubborn, okay? Pharaoh was, his image is in the dictionary beside the word stubborn. So it's not yet persuaded. Um, but all of Egypt, including Pharaoh's servants, knew by this time that Yahweh was far greater than the Egyptian pantheon, and they also knew that Moses was a prophet of, a, of the great God, of the only God. They understood that. Pharaoh, not so much. Okay. So a couple of uh, points here, and then I want to read chapter 12, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed because there's a lot of detail here, and I'm not going to get into that tonight. But the Passover from a Hebrew, Hebrew word, Pascha. And you may you, you hear talk about the Paschal lamb, and that, of course, is a reference to the, the yearling that is um, the pet lamb, and we'll see that here, that uh, is to be raised and reared uh, in the confines of a Jewish home, it's to be a pet, and then it's to be killed. So... This is a sacred observance in Judaism that commemorates the climactic 10th plague in the book of Exodus. Uh, Yahweh punishes Egypt by killing all the firstborn. He passes over, and that's where the word comes from, Pascha, Passover, the firstborn of Israel. And we'll see that in verses 12 through 17. And it results, obviously, in the deliverance of uh, Egypt from slavery to, uh, excuse me, of, uh, of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And it also results in the establishment of a nation that had, at this point, it had no boundaries. Okay? So let's read this tonight, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, by this time they've left Pharaoh. This month, okay, shall be your beginning of months, and it will be the first month of the year to you. It's generally the month of what they refer to as the month of Nisan. It is um, Abib is another name, but it typically is on or about uh, from the end of March through toward the end of April. It has to do, Passover occurred on the um, weekend subsequent to the last full moon after the spring equinox. That's how you know so when you look at your calendar and you look at Easter, Easter is the same time too. It's just on the Lord's Day. So that's how it took place. And so the first month for the Hebrews was Nisan. It wasn't January. 
We, uh, in the Western world, we operate under a uh, Julian calendar or Gregorian calendar and, uh, where we start in uh, January, but not so with the Hebrews. And the Lord made it very clear, this is your first month and this will happen in your first month. In fact, if you look at Hebrew calendar, the Hebrew calendar is numbered from the first Passover. Some cases, there are calendars that go all the way back to Abraham. So remember that. This month shall be the beginning of your months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel and saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let it, him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So that's what took place. Uh, Craig was teaching this morning on... Uh, the washing of the, the Lord washing feet in John chapter 13. That occurred on Thursday evening. That's when the Passover meal was consumed. On Friday, from the ninth hour, excuse me, let me make sure I get this right. Yeah, from the ninth hour, nine o'clock in the morning until 3 p.m. in the afternoon, for six hours, all of Israel was to bring a lamb, each one represented as we see here, and there was this tremendous slaughter on the Temple Mount. And Jesus would have witnessed this from the time that it was a child all the way through to when he was crucified. There were literally millions of people. There were shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. Why? Because they were raising sheep for the Passover. That's why. So this takes place. The whole assembly of the congregation shall kill at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the, of the houses where they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on that night. This is the flesh of the, what they've killed, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw. Don't boil it with water, but roast it in fire. Its head with its leg and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned to you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. And whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. 
The first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which every one must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this same day I will have brought your, your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. The first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven, no yeast, nothing that contains that shall be found in your house. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, and all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Now, he's reiterating, reiterating, reiterating. Why? Because they're hard-hearted people. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel and two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. A remarkable title for the Spirit of God. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? Then you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and they worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So that's the preparation. And then the Lord followed through with his promise. It came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. COVID cannot hold a candle to this. He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Okay? The Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up and their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of the Moses, and they had asked for the Egyptians articles of silver and of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered. It's a great old English word. They plundered the Egyptians. The children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. So if you do the arithmetic, prob at least a million people, if not close to two million, maybe more. A mixed multitude went up with him also in flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. Nothing left in Egypt now. The livestock's gone. 
but the Egyptians don't stop them. And they bake unleavened cakes of dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it's not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt, could not wait, nor had they prepared for provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years, so there's history now. It came to pass at the end of the 430 years. On that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is an ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, he may eat it. A sojourner and a, hard, a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. What a remarkable transformation. We don't know how long the plagues lasted. Some, in some of my reading, it may have been as much as a year. It could have been six months. We don't know. But what happened happened fairly rapidly over some period of time, and these people, <laughs> the Egyptians, were glad to get rid of the um, Hebrews. A lot of things that, that take place after this, and we'll begin to cover it. We want to. Look at some detail here, but we'll close with that tonight. Any comments or questions this evening? Remember, Passover, all the way through Old Testament into the New Testament. Obviously, the Lord would have, have observed it. Uh, his parents would have, have observed it every year when he was a child. He went to the Passover when he was 12. The Gospel of Luke tells us and all of these things that take place. So he was very very obedient to the command of his father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we live today by your grace. And indeed, even then, you certainly would have extended grace to Pharaoh had he repented and humbled himself before you. But Lord, we see the results of the, the ramifications, Father, of his lack of repentance and so I pray this evening Father for, for this group as we depart the place tonight may we keep these in our minds may we meditate on this word may we prepare to, to follow you as you lovingly corral your people as we, as we read here you promised to bring them out and you did so remind us that you're a God that keeps promises in Jesus name we make this prayer Amen.